Making a recipe that calls for butter? Make it better with European butter from France. With a minimum of 82% butter fat, it's no wonder French butter is the number one choice of chefs the world over. Whether you're whipping up an omelet, sauteing vegetables, or spreading it on toast, the rich, cultured flavor of butter from France always elevates. Be sure to look for Made in France on the label. And for recipes, tips, and tricks, go to tasteeurope.com. Well, what was interesting was when I started blogging, it was 1999, by about 2006, 2007, there were a lot more people coming into it. And, yeah. you know, the number one question people would ask me is, how do I make money on my blog? And I said, do it for free for eight years and then start making money. This is Taste. I'm your host, Matt Rodbard. There aren't a lot of things on the internet that have been around since 1999. But David Leibowitz's blog, and now Substack, full of quips, stories, and recipes from his life in Paris, is one of them. David is the author of many cookbooks, including The Perfect Scoop, Ready for Dessert, Drinking French, and the iconic My Paris Kitchen. This is such a fun conversation full of life and stories about pastry in San Francisco and Paris. David is one of our all-time favorites, and it was so fun having him in the studio. I hope you enjoy this conversation. David Leibowitz, welcome to This Is Taste. What's up, man? I am so happy to be here because we are here at Random House Studios. Yeah. I'm here with you. It's been years. Yeah, Crown Publishing, Penguin Random House. It's been years. And thank you for coming in. I, I just like hit you up on Instagram, saw you were in town. Are a lot of people hitting you up when you when you say like post your flag in yeah. the East Village? Well, the good thing about living in France is you learn how to say no. <laughs> and no doesn't mean you're a jerk. It just non means, it just means uh, as my friend Ajiri, who wrote a book on French joie, she's like, no means I want to do something for myself. So <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So what have you been up to in New York? I mean, you, you certainly um, spent some time here, but you're not here all the time. What, what, what have you been hitting up? Uh, food. Um, one thing great about New York is there's so much food and it's all different price categories. It's all different, um, cultures and, you know, just on one block, I'm staying in the East village and within a block, there's very good sushi. There's good Middle Eastern food. There's really good bakeries. Um, I had an amazing meal at Claude last yeah. night, which was, it kind of blew me away. Oh, actually. wow. It was really good. Like wow. everything was really good. It blew you away in, in that you have worked in restaurants in the, mm -hmm. America for, what, 30 years you worked in restaurants? Mm -hmm. And so you have, you know, a, yeah. a take. Yeah, and I'm picky. You're picky. <laughs> no, I'm, a, as you would say, a exigent or discriminate, discerning. Dis discerning. I was trying to explain to my partner that the word French for exigent means discriminating. <laughs> and he goes, it's, about, it's not about discrimination. I was like... No, it's not a no. It's not discrimination. It's it's discerning. Yeah, I'm saying discerning. Yeah. Um, so bakery wise, okay. Have you been to Mel? You know what? They closed. Oh, they did. They Shit. moved to Hudson. I tried to go last oh, my huh. last visit. And everyone said if you don't get there by like nine thirty, you're oh. not going to get anything. Okay. 
So where have you been for bakeries then? I went to, I'm going to screw up all the names. Sure. Sorry. Okay. La Cabra. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I had a really good, um, cardamom bum bun. Yeah. A <laughs> cardamom bum is cool. Cardamom. <laughs> it looked like a bum, but it was a cardamom bun. Um, it was the, the most carefully made coffee I've ever witnessed yeah. in my life. It's true. I, I was a little like, you were a little like, yeah, uh, yes, yeah. it's not, you don't have to get it at that. Yeah. Go to Italy. You know, they just throw the coffee in. Hilarious, David. <laughs> I mean, it is such a scene there, La Cabra uh, in the East Village, but that, that yeah. bun is pretty special. Yeah, it was good. Um, where else did I go? Ah, I went to Seedon Mill oh, yeah. and I had in Chelsea Market and I had the most amazing Halva Sunday. Oh man. It, that place is like, I don't know what, like, I'm speechless. Shout out. I love that you're speechless. Shout out to Rachel who owns it. I mean, she's great. She's amazing. And also just like for tahini based products. Holy cow. Yeah. It's an amazing place. It's hard to appreciate halva until you go to the Middle East um, and go to the countries where they make it. But Rachel and I actually went to the Joiva factory in Brooklyn. They've been making halva for a hundred years and they make the tahini on one side of the street. And there's a pipe that runs under the street that brings it into the and I want to say factory, but it's a bunch of guys with really big shoulder muscles stirring this uh, sesame paste yeah. until it becomes halva. Wait, so you were at this factory, but mm -hmm. she doesn't make her stuff there. You just were there with her? No, she doesn't. She has another, she gets her um, tahini and halva from another place. Yeah. You just were just doing a little tour with her? Yeah. She got invited and she asked me if I wanted to go. So um, four of us went. It was me. Um, Rachel, Susan Spungen, who's a noted food stylist. Oh, she's on the show. Susan's great. She's great. And Jake Cohen. Yeah, great. I love that crew. So we, <laughs> and Rachel yelled at me because I was, they had me and Jake packing chocolates. And she was like, <laughs> faster. She was like screaming at me. I was like, Rachel, calm down. Oh calm my down. God. What, what a great, what a fun <laughs> afternoon. Um, well, I love your picks. I'm sure there'll be more, but let's take a, a little trip into into the past. I think, David, you are truly an OG food blogger. And I think yeah. our listeners, if if they don't realize that the, the the guy who does this incredible Substack and these cookbooks and 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 you know don't realize that you actually have, were online before most, if not all, let me ask you a couple questions pointed. First, I guess, do you think the time back then was better for food media than now? Uh, what do you mean by better? Great question. Great follow-up, David. <laughs> more diverse, uh, more personal. Uh, you know, uh, one thing food blogging really did, and I started in 1999, was it broke down a lot of barriers. Like if you wanted to know about um, Vietnamese noodles, for example, you had to go get buy a book on yeah. Vietnamese noodles, and maybe a TV show might be might have a special on you know a, a segment. There was a guy called Noodle Pie, noodlepie.com, and he lived in Vietnam and he was posting all these noodle pictures of all these, you know, Vietnamese noodle stands. And it was amazing to see that stuff. Um, and you had people from all over the world sort of jumping in. Um, you had people from Germany, you had people from the United States, from France. Um, so it was kind of a great time. You know, people talk about Anthony Bourdain a lot still today. You know, he broke down a lot of barriers to food writing. It used to be, oh, you had to write for gourmet, you know, to be a notable, to get a book deal and so forth. And he was kind of a line cook, not even a chef, I don't think. And he just came out of nowhere, wrote a book, was in the New Yorker, 
and got this had this amazing career. Um, Savoir Magazine also broke down a yeah. lot of barriers. Um, yeah, they were and important. By, and by this time, we were doing a whole week of Savoir. We're, oh. we're recognizing it. Um, yeah, we have three interviews, and I'll link to those oh, wow, in the show okay. notes. Yeah, it's 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 our favorite, to be honest. And I'm glad you yeah. bring up that title. Well, be, Savoir would go to like a country fair, yeah. and or they would watch some grandmother make a pie or something. And that's kind of what food blogging was. It was more personal. Um, I'm reading a book by Lori Colwin right mm. now, um, Home Cooking. Oh, yeah, right on. <laughs> Classic, man. Yeah. And it's like almost she writes to you, like when she's writing about living in this little tiny New York apartment, and she's not glamorizing it. Um, and that's what kind of food blogging did was brought people into our lives. It took away the barrier, I yeah. think. Um, I agree, and and I, I'm so happy you you say this, and you made your statement qualified because I'm certainly it is more diverse now, which we celebrate. Um, there's more money in it, which we celebrate. I mean, yeah, more, that was- <laughs> you know, back then there was very little monetization, and I think like the first person element in the kind of this point of view that was so solid and so f- it was it was firm from the creator was why I loved thinking about early food media and mm-hmm. I think about like the truly first person blog, which you were part of. Well, what was interesting was when I started blogging, it was 1999, by about 2006, 2007, there were a lot more people coming into it. And yeah. you know, the number one question people would ask me is how do I make money on my blog? How do I make money? How do I make money? And I said, do it for free for eight years and then start making money. <laughs> it's true. And that's, well, you know, first. I started, I didn't have any ads. I wasn't really, I had my books on there, but it wasn't, you know, I think Amazon wasn't even around when I started. I was just doing it because I love doing it. And that's sort of what you should do. Yeah. Great advice. In general. I'm going to ask you <laughs> a question straight up, Dave. Okay. Uh-oh. Do you still love, do you still love France? Um, do you love New York? Wow. Whoa, yeah. I mean, I moved out of the city two years ago, so I love it less um, uh-huh. in the Hudson Valley now. Um, so at that time, I would say not as much. That's, mm-hmm. But you, that, was, that was me. What about you? Do, you? do you? do you love France? There's great things in France. There's great things about Paris, and I celebrate, and I love those things. And there's also things that aren't necessarily wonderful. And those kind of things are actually, I enjoy because the quirks of life... Um, I always said, like, I would be really rich if I wrote these wonderful books about how perfect life yeah. in France was, if I moved to the six arrondissement, if I sat in beautiful cafes and had, you know, hot chocolate every morning and posted pictures of that. But I don't, because I think it's funny, um, the daily situations, the real life in Paris. So, you know, like like New York, a lot of people, like in Paris, people have a love-hate relationship. If you talk to Parisians, you're like, do you like Paris? They're like, oh, it's it's like horrible. Everyone's rude and so forth. Um, But everyone, we all live there together. It's like New York. We're all like a team. Yeah. It is a team (laughs) sport for sure, living in New York and in Paris. And I asked you that, and I expected an answer, as you you beautifully just said. I mean, you write on your newsletter and in your books very honestly about the struggles. You wrote a whole book about your apartment renovation and, and search, which I'll link in the show notes, a very cool book, and I love that the realism there, and like you're you're just writing about the daily struggles of yeah, and I but I also chose to live there. Yeah, you know I could live anywhere. I mean, well, actually, you can't live any people <laughs> during certain election cycles or things. People are like, we're moving to France. I'm like, but but mm. they, you know, most countries you have to go through a process. So I went through the whole process. It was you know 
very, my favorite word is challenging. Mm. I use that a lot when I write about things. It's very challenging. So I went through that. I have a partner who's amazing. Um, and, you know, I, one thing France, like I, I really appreciated France when COVID hit because although we had very strict restrictions, um, you know, you see what a, you know, having healthcare, mm -hmm. having people covered, like people weren't freaking out about, you know, they were freaking out getting sick, but it wasn't like they were going to get hit with hospital bills or something. Um, and so, you know, it's not a perfect society, but there's a lot of things about France that I think they do really well. Yeah, and I love that you 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 definitely split the difference and you talk about your love and, and the challenges and challenging is a good word. Is it the infrastructure is old? Is that part of it too? Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's very old. But you know, during the strict lockdowns, the only things that were allowed to be open were essential businesses and one of them was bakeries. Yeah. Because <laughs> you couldn't shut the bakeries um, and tobacco stores. Oh yeah, <laughs> of course. That's very important. Yeah. But what about bottle shops? Are you drinking... Uh, your, uh, you know, Chablis. All the liquor stores were closed, but you, you could buy wine in the supermarket. Oh, right. Yeah, there was plenty of wine. We all had w wine. Wine was good. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I just, I love the, how you write about Paris and, 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 your, and your travels, too, because you talk, you write about the holidays, which mm -hmm. are so, you know, cemented in the French culture, yeah. not just the summer holidays, but the, you know, the holiday holidays, mm -hmm. too. Well, people have this image of like, French people get all these vacations, they're lazy, so blah, hmm. blah, blah. It's like, well, you know, French people didn't get vacations until the 30s. It was a social movement. And, you know, people were working like seven days a week. Mm -hmm. And it was a social movement. Uh, the people, you know, w one positive thing about France, you know, the strikes and so forth, is the people are letting their opinions be heard. And they're actually making changes in government policy. Um, it, actually, it actually does work. Yeah. We're going to see during the Summer Olympics if <laughs> I keep thinking, oh, that's a pretty good time to go on strike. So, Oh, it, yeah, I'm sure yeah. There'll be, it'll be politicized in many ways. Um, although on the other hand, people might and as a, you know, have a pride in their country and not do it. Are you a Tour de France head? Do you, do you follow the, the race? What is it? No. <laughs> uh, I don't because I live, you know, when you live there, it's like, oh. You're like, it's just a thing that's on TV. Yeah, you watch it a little bit on TV, but it's not. I love it so much because the, the government pays so much attention to the historical elements of the towns. Mm -hmm. So like the broadcast will flip into like a, a great story about the chateau or, or the winery mm -hmm. that's there. Well, Americans are very attached to France. And when Notre Dame burned down, <laughs> it was... Unbelievable. I mean, it, not in a, I'm not saying in a good or bad way, no. but America yeah. was like in mourning. And we happened, I think, to be in America at the time. And somebody said to Roman, they were like, I am so sorry. And he For was looking loss. at me like, why? why? He was, they're like, Notre Dame burned down. He's like, this is like the third time. Yeah. Yeah. Hilarious. <laughs> it was, you know, the last version was not, was a re, redo of mm -hmm. a previous version and so forth. So it's. Yeah. yeah. It's like it, if Macy's burned down. Sure, people uh, would be like, "I'm sorry for your loss." You know, no, no, no. If Amazon burned, and wow. what's interesting, I just learned that the number one website in France is Wikipedia, and the number one website in America is Amazon. Wow, because we want to shop, and in France, people want knowledge. It's or to settle an argument. <laughs> it's just I'm letting it hang there in the air a bit, Dave. That's interesting. Okay. That's really, I want to see an infographic of, of websites in countries now. I'm going to mm -hmm. seek that out. That's great. 
Okay, uh, moving on. Are you offended by American croissant culture? No. Okay. Very little. The good thing about getting older is you get less and less offended by things. <laughs> True. <laughs> you know, people get like outraged because somebody uses like the wrong kind of black pepper right. on cacio pepe on right. the internet. I'm like, you know, there are sort of worse problems in the yeah. world. Um, I, I'm actually astounded by the beautiful croissant in America, like here in New York, I went to a cook, I went to a bakery. Uh, I'm gonna say Libre. Yeah, sure. Okay, that beautiful croissant. Um, they were spectacular looking. Oh, I didn't yeah. try one, um, but uh, La Cabra, you know, bakeries. Yeah, Combi in LA when they were doing that was like the best. And we went up, up in in the Hudson Valley and um, yeah. at Cafe Yen and make it amazing. You know, I, I I say this not looking at some of these boutique bakeries that we love and, and are doing such great jobs, but it's just the way Americans, you know, we have the crust sandwich at Burger King. Yes. Well, I was at Stu Leonard's this weekend. That's <laughs> for people that don't know. Oh, man. It's like, it's like a supermarket chain. How do you, how you watch your, it? you watch your mouth, David. Are you going to, no. are you going to slight no, no. Leonard's? They had a Philly cheesesteak croissant. Okay. So there are a couple, I kind of draw the line, oh. pumpkin spice croissant. No. They had pumpkin spice bacon there, um, which d- didn't bother me. I didn't know if it, if it had vanilla in it, maybe. I just don't, you know, don't yeah. want vanilla in my bacon. I think you answered my question just there, that okay. there's really great, you know, uh, you know, laminated dough production here in the States, yeah. but... <laughs> I. Th- Gaston Lenot said you can change anything as long as you make it better. And I don't want to offend anybody, but I don't know if a Philly cheesesteak croissant improves it or not. I will leave that up to the listener. I love it. I love that. I have learned to be diplomatic living in a foreign country. I used to lead tours and I would explain to people things about France, about French food, French chocolate, French products. And I remember being in a store explaining to people um, about the salt in France. And this French woman said to me, she goes, you're very diplomatic. <laughs> <laughs> Back to that. I said, merci, madame. Um, speaking of tours, we're, we're, we're actually doing one of our Taste Travels tours. We're going up to Normandy in August. Oh. Marissa Mullen, great, you know, cookbook writer and friend of ours. Are you going to Isigny for uh, the butter? We're going to definitely hit some butter. No, you have to go to Isigny. Okay. Okay. Let's talk it. Okay, Isigny, um, first of all, they have these cows up there called Norm. It's called the, the race. The race mm-hmm. is called Normand, and the cows are beautiful. They have rings around their eyes, and they make the best milk. They produce really good milk. So the butter and the camembert there are amazing. And I was with my friend Rye, who has a Supermoon Bake Shop. Oh wow! Yes, and it was just him and I, and we were with the people from Birdie Isini, and they had ice cream. And they're like, oh, well, it's 11.50. We're going to have lunch in a few minutes. And we're both like, so what? (laughs) So (laughs) so we're eating ice cream before lunch, but it was really, really good. And one one thing that people don't know is that the Disney family is from there. Oh. Disney, D apostrophe, Isini. And they have the most amazing Disney museum. And I, no offense to anybody, but I don't have a thing for Disney. Yeah. But- it was all these vintage Disney things that oh, wow. this French woman collected for like 60 years, like before the internet, and like these tea sets of Steamboat Willie. Like, mm-hmm. it's, I mean, I'm is losing. she a family member? Is she like a, is she like a no, long lost family member? Nothing. Zero. In the city? Yeah. 
uh, they she died and she left her museum to this the town hall. And That's have, amazing. It's amazing. So was like, what oh. other what what food should we be seeking out in Normandy? Because you know, I think about Normandy, I think about Calvados, I think about of course yeah. Camembert and some of the the ice creams up there. But you know the region better, so where should we be seeking? Uh, you know, it's hard to say where exactly. Mm. You just named like Calvados. You should go to a Calvados yeah. producer. Um, there is something called Pomo which is a mixture of Calvados and apple juice. Mm, mm. And when I was there with Rye, we went to visit a farmer and he served us glasses. He's like, what is this? And I can't do his Australian accent, <laughs> but um, it was amazing. And if you can go to where they make the Mimolet, uh, it's not a Normandy cheese and you'll get in trouble if you mm, say mm. they make it there in Normandy, but they make it at Isigny. Um, and it says round cheese, it looks like a melon. And it's really cool. Oh my gosh! Um, and the camembert just get me excited. I'm going to link yeah. to that trip in the show notes. Can, how do we? How do I get on it? <laughs> exactly, David. You, you can definitely dip in. I mean, I, I know somebody who can get you up there. You, you, and I should do a trip. I'm grouchy. I know. Travel. I'm like, I don't want to be talk to people in the morning. Like, yeah, your just... call time can be one. Let's just get real. <laughs> da- David speaks between one and six. Meals are all separate. I mean, listen. I'm joking. I think once you get on a trip, you get you vibe with people. Yeah, we're- I led tours for 15 or 10 years. Um, it was great, but um, I kind of after a while, I was. Yeah, um, it's a lot of talking and a lot of people. Oh yeah, um, definitely. And I was really fortunate because like everybody was amazing. Yeah, um, we had really amazing guests. I'm I'm all about the group trip. I think group trips are extremely underrated, particularly in food, because we can keep the costs down if we have bring people together, yeah. and we can just see so many different things. Like no well, planning required. Well, if you do the the, the one good thing about because I used to do day tours of Paris, mm-hmm. and I was like I should do like week tours because you can't go into like the chocolate where they make the chocolates. Yeah. You know they don't want people now. There's so many tours. You go to chocolate shops, and there's like a tour group inside and two <laughs> waiting on the sidewalk. Yeah, yeah. But when I was doing them, you know I knew all the chocolate makers and the people that worked in the stores. But you couldn't say so every day. You, you know, I was like okay, so we got. I got to know everybody and I did amazing tours. I had great people. Oh uh, yeah. But you want, you want to quit when you're on top. I agree. And like, you know what, if you don't want to ever do a tour again, I mean, God bless you, man. You, you, you did it for yeah. 15 years. It's, yeah. it's all right. Let's talk about my Paris kitchen. I, in prepping for this interview, I read another interview back maybe eight years, seven years ago, maybe 15. And you had, you, you mentioned something in the interview and I'm, I'm really want to talk to you about it. Uh, you had a personal crisis during the writing of this book. You're laughing. I hope I didn't hit anything hard. I, I, I'm like, this book is like one of our favorite books ever, My Paris Kitchen. Oh, wow. One of the greatest covers, you yeah. know, Ed Anderson, correct? Ed Anderson. Yeah. Ed. He had shot Fanny Gerson's book uh, called My Sweet Mexico, and he caught something about Mexico and the, the sweet culture, the bakery culture, that was not just a topical, beautiful book on with pretty pictures. He sort of got into it. Um, so I said to Tenspeed, our publisher, I said, I would like him to shoot my book. I don't know who this guy is. And so they said, okay, we'll have Ed, you know, and mm-hmm. I, I thought there was going to be some old guy with like a fishing vest and a camera <laughs> show up. And this guy shows up in Paris and uh, he was like kind of looking at me and I was looking at him. I said, we're going to go have crepes now. And I, you're going to take pictures in there. And 
he was just kind of sitting there looking around and I was like, take pictures, take, shoot that. And first I was like, oh my God, this guy. And then I realized Ed is on his own schedule. Yeah. Um, and he's also the, he told me this himself. Um, he's like, I'm the most passive person. And I fell in love with him. I think everybody, you're nodding too. Oh, I, I yeah. absolutely just, he's such a charming, thoughtful, kind human who yeah. is so fucking good at his job and dope. And he, he brings all the vessels to the shoots and like, he's like all, and he, but I love the reportage and that's yeah. that cover of yours and also what's inside. It is truly a great book. Thank you. Um, I, once again, I was so like when a photographer comes, the great thing about doing a book is you, when you, especially if you're involved in the photography, I, I love, you know, I f styled my first two books, um, and I was very involved in the photography. Um, sometimes the authors aren't even there. Like yeah. you don't even, you know, a lot of people don't realize that, um, working with Ed on the book, I saw things through his eyes. Um, after he shot it and I would change the descriptions. Um, yeah. And we just had a really good time. Yeah, he's a fun hang for sure. Now, let's back to the story of the manuscript, though. Okay. So you were in, a, you were in the middle of personal Having crisis. PTSD. And you lost the manuscript. I, I don't know if you... I didn't it. lose it. Somebody else did. Oh, so what happened? Uh, well, to make an extremely long story short, I wrote a whole book about it called La Pout about... Mm -hmm. um, so I was working on the book and I started a renovation. And I told the contractor, I said, well, I need to start working on a book. I need a kitchen. You know, how long is this going to take? And he said, oh, three to four months. I said, okay. So I sort of started writing in my old apartment. Um, I, you know, was doing renovation. I was overseeing it. Things weren't going that well, but I was keeping an eye on things and blah, blah, blah. And then I had this manuscript I was working on. And I work on paper a lot. I don't mm. work on my computer. And this is sort of before the days of like Dropbox and yeah. everything. But Google um, Docs, yeah. Yeah, and I write on paper when I type a recipe. When I write a recipe, I do it on paper because I don't want to get my computer. Anyhow, so I had the manuscript. I had all my testing notes, all the recipes, and it was time to move. So I put everything in boxes and put that in a box. So for the next year and a half, I think it was, all my, <laughs> the renovation still, go, the three-month renovation was still going on. Right. Um, everything was packed in this room under a big tarp. Um, whatever, two years later, nobody found, I couldn't find the manuscript. So I had to start all over again. It just like the box was not there. A lot of stuff. There were things that, there were um, condoms I found. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> it's like what what happened in my apartment? Oh wow, yeah, not used. They were new, yeah. but uh, I was like, mm, these aren't my size. Who's are they? Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> wow. Uh, so uh, had to. I'm gonna again. cry. Does anyone ever cry on your podcast? We've had a few tears. Okay. I've cried on it before. It's it's okay. People probably cry over like real things. This is like. I mean, yeah. but it did it produce a better book? Yes, it always. I. Yes. I actually had a hard drive crash when I was writing The Sweet Life in Paris. Oh, man. Jeez. I was living in San Francisco and I called, uh, was it um, Skywalker, the Industrial Light and Magic. Right. Oh, my God. Because it's in the old days when it's like, you know, who are the best tech people? So I, I picked up the phone. I called <laughs> them. And, the, you know, this place is like, we can recover the hard drive. It's like $2,000. And I was like, yeah, I'll just start all over again. Yeah, you were like, it's not worth it. Let's yeah. just go. I'm like the king of starting all over again. Like, I moved to Paris. I started all over <laughs> I mean, but there's something to be said about a second cut. I mean, you clearly had it all in, in, in your head the whole time. Yeah. So the second time you put it down onto paper. 
Well, you know, you've written books as yeah. well. Um, you have a wonderful book, Food IQ. Thanks, buddy. You write all this stuff. And then the most important part is going back and erasing stuff. It that is. is not important. Yep. The editor doesn't like it. Um, so it does, you know, writing is hard. Yeah. Um, but, you know, people say editing is 90%. It's like when I write a newsletter post or a blog post when I had my blog, I'd write all this stuff and I'd look at it like two days later. I was like, nobody cares about <laughs> when I tripped over the woman's foot and almost fell but didn't and you know, <laughs> dropped the lemons I was going to make lemon tart. I don't know, David. I kind of like the, the, the like personal drama in some of your writing. I mean, it's why we love you. I know listeners will be here because you've, you know, they know you and you're not just writing about recipes. You're writing about your life. We know you. Right. But it's like editing. It's like when someone tells mm -hmm. you their dream, you don't want to hear the whole thing. No. You want to hear the good parts. Yeah. Let's get to the salacious. Yeah. Part. Like I was flying over, you know, yeah. I was, yeah. I was with Juliana Moore and we were flying over the Empire State Building. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's something about dream talk that doesn't appeal. It doesn't work. Yeah. Well, if you live in France, people talk about them and it's like a 10-minute description and you start glazing. I, oh, yeah. I, I have like short attention span because I was a line cook. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's go back to the line cook days. Oh, okay. I mean... It was fun. Like, definitely fun. In but retrospect. Do you miss... Do you Outside of like the physical stuff, do you miss just like going to work at a restaurant? Yes. I actually miss working with people. When you write a book, you're at home and you, you, you're in your head a lot. Yeah. You're thinking about it. You're sitting in front of the computer or you're cooking. And then like when I wrote Drinking French, I would make all these cocktails. I'd start at like nine in the morning and then I'd put them all in the fridge. And when Roman came home from work, uh -huh. I'm like, okay, taste that, taste that, taste that. So it was like good. a lineup of cocktails. Um, but I miss... You know, I was really, I was really fortunate. I worked at Chez Panisse for 13 years, and I worked with really great people with really great products for for really great owners, and we were all very into the food. Yeah. So everything like people were taste. You'd always say, "Can you taste this?" to somebody, and if they didn't like it, it wasn't an insult. It was like, "No, it needs more salt, or it needs more. Try spinach, or you know, add some more pear liquid, or what about using this." So it was very interactive. We were a group together. Um, you know, Alice Waters, you know, people say, oh, Chef Alice Waters. It's like, well, yes, but um, she put us all together. She was like the glue that held us yeah. all together and would come in twice a day at least and taste everything. And check the menus because you're writing them daily and you're, you're, you're presenting your ideas at the end of the, end yeah. of the, the prep time. And it was also her restaurant, which she reminded me several times. Hilarious. <laughs> when you did, when you had an idea and she not, she, she, she X'd it out. She's like, yeah, this is my, my name. Yeah. Is. We had a few um, discussions like that. And in the end I was like, well, it's her restaurant. And she also has really good taste. Yeah. It, it's very hard to, when you're around someone who's an expert on something, um, who has, like, she has a perfect palate. It's kind of hard to argue with her because mm -hmm. she's usually right. Did you overlap with Cal Peter now? Yes. He was on the show about a year ago. We talked about those Alice days. What was it like working with Cal? He was awful. I hate it. No, I'm just kidding. I'm like, yo. If he's go. listening. No, Cal was great. Yeah, no. Um, <laughs> I didn't work. He worked in the cafe. Um, yeah. And I was working in pastry. I mean, I saw him every day and, uh, you know, he was great. So Very, many people out of that kitchen came, so many names and food. I mean, so many friends you must have. Yeah. And a lot of people worked there yeah. for a long time. I just went to um, Fritz Strife, yeah. who was amazing. He wrote the Chez Panisse cookbook. Yep. He helped me with my two books. He passed away recently mm -hmm. and there was a, a memorial at the restaurant and it was so 
amazing to see people from 30 years ago who came and it was just wonderful. People were telling stories and we were all kids in a way back then. And now we're, you know, I'm old, I Hmm. live in France and, you know, Gilbert Pilgrim owns Zuni now and so forth. And do you still go back for dinner? I'm not as often, you know, when I go to the Bay Area, I don't have a car, I don't rent a car anymore because mm-hmm. it's just easier to take, you know, yeah. transit. So it's not as easy to get to. But I'm very good friends with Mary Jo Thorson, who is the pastry chef now, and we try to have lunch or dinner there together. Let me ask you about your your career and like moving forward broadly. What do you want the next like five years to be? I mean, do you, do you have... Because I mean, you're, I know I'm not talking about just books. I mean, your Substack is so popular and mm-hmm. I love it. I love reading. I subscribe and I, I just, you know, it, it's not just monthly anymore. It used to be just monthly for mm-hmm. me at least, but now it's like more regular. Well, what happened was like I had a blog and I would post stories and so forth. Um, but then blogging really changed. It yeah. changed. I don't know exactly when. But I can say, you know, Google started introducing these algorithms and requiring you to do all these things to your posts um, that weren't fun. And I was like, I didn't, you had to format things and code and all these things. I was like, I didn't get into food writing to do this. Mm -hmm. I got into food writing to write about food and to share recipes and stories. Um, So that's when I, I switched over to Substack um, because also I didn't, I stopped worrying about the technology. Yeah. When you have a blog, it's like, oh, this plugin needs to be updated and now yeah. this doesn't work and this, the formatting, it's all askew and I have to write to my people. And with Subtac, it's just like, yeah. you just write and you just post. And there's a subscribe button there and you can get a little money if you want or not. And yeah. And it's, you know, people can subscribe if they want. Um, the, the hard thing is still for me, um, I, I write faster than I think in a lot of ways. And I miss, you can't have typos anymore. You you, know, you might write like a 7,000 word piece. That's like the greatest food story you've ever written. And somebody will be like, by the way, it shouldn't have an apostrophe unless it's a contract, you know, and you're just like, I forgot an apostrophe. That's, but all of a sudden. Those I, people, there's, they, we get those notes on taste, even though we have an amazing copy editor and we, mm. we, we, but like, what is in their head? Those um, it's actually helpful. Okay. A friend of mine, Elise Bauer, who was one of the pioneering food bloggers of Simply Recipes, she's like, you know what? They're pointing out stuff to fix. Um, there is a way to say it. You know, I've and I've said that to friends. I'm like, by the way, um, I just saw your recipe for, you know, you, it says like 12 cups of sugar rather than a half cup. And, you know, if you're a recipe writer, you want someone yeah. to point that out to yeah, you. Yeah, 12 cups of sugar would not be great. Yeah, cake. It's, a, it's a different thing. <laughs> so it's not, you know, it's just, it's, it's when people are like passive aggressive, it's like, you know, you can just say, oh, by the way, you know, this, you spell Because I make mistakes in French and French people do all the time too. So, yeah. <laughs> and I'm French too now. So. Who, who do you stay in touch with the early food blogging days? I know Deb Perlman's a friend of yours and uh, you just spoke about all recipes. Who else? Um, sim- Elise from Simply oh, Recipes. Simply Recipes, yeah. sorry, that's what I meant. Yeah, Elise was one of the pioneering bloggers and she sold her blog a few years ago um, and well-merited. She had a wonderful life doing it. We're still friend- really good friends. Adam Roberts. Oh yeah, sure, he moved to New York. Yeah, he moved back to New York. Yeah, back to New York, yeah. And he's still like Adam Roberts, amateur gourmet. Yeah. He still is sort of, um, you know, he has a newsletter too on Substack. Yep. He's very personal when he writes, you know, stories. Um, so I'm still friendly with him. 
Um, I'm trying to think who else. I mean, there's a lot. There's, there's, there's some original. <clears throat> well, a lot of people like Matt Armendariz, he became a food photographer and he yeah. kind of, you know, he's a Zumba, Zumba instructor as well. Uh, yeah. So we, I don't see him often, but when, every once in a while we slip into each other's DMs. <laughs> Heidi Swanson from 101 Cookbooks. Oh my God, I love Heidi. I know. We, <laughs> and she kind of came back. She was, you know, she moved to LA. Yeah, she was in Long Beach, yeah. Yeah, and she now has this life, you know, they take out the Airstream every weekend and we just, everybody, I think we all want to be her. I love that you mentioned Heidi. Yeah, 101 is, is such a, every Sunday I'm like, thank you for sending that. It's yeah. so great. Well, she kind of took time off mm -hmm. um, and she, I, she's a, Elise Bauer once said to me, well, she's an artist yeah. in the way she writes and photographs things and talks. Yeah. I haven't had her on yet. It's funny. I get around here. David, thanks for a reminder. Okay. <laughs> Tell her I said I will. All right, David. On this is taste, we ask guests about their discerning taste. So to close this interview, here's a little rapid fire. Fast and furious taste check. Are okay. you ready? No. I have to sit up. Okay. Yeah. I need coffee. Do I need an espresso? Uh, maybe. I mean, <laughs> no. okay. let's, let's do the virtual espresso or the, the well, mime, okay. well, mime espresso, like very French. Okay. I'm ready. All right. You, you've sipped it. Okay. Good. The best breakfast food. Uh, toast with salted butter and buckwheat honey. Precise. What kind of bread is in this toast? Uh, whole uh, like I like grainy bread with lots of seeds. Oh yeah, CD of course. The best dessert. The best dessert. I love Il Flottante, which is a French dessert. Meringues on really cold creme anglaise with caramelized almonds. I'm just gonna let it sit there. You just told me your best dessert without flinching. I can't believe you did that because um. I, you know, I have to, can I interrupt? Um, I actually don't like the best and you're, this is good. Cause I, people are like, what's the best bistro in Paris? I'm like, I don't know. Uh, but I, I have answers to all you do. And These you, are good questions. Well, thanks buddy. And, and honestly, I, I, I like to put people in those awkward places because yeah. it is impossible. Go, keep going. I'm, I'm there. Your favorite American fast food chain. I have to say I don't have one, but I love fried chicken. So I don't go to them, but I love Popeyes. Yeah, that's my. I would guy. say Popeyes. That's my guy, and that's my number one seed for sure. Okay, your favorite French fast food chain? Uh, we, I don't think there are any. I mean, that was why I asked you. They're the all American. They're all McDonald's exactly. and Burger King, and they're all hugely popular. I was gonna. Ask, that's why I was asking you because, like, I was like, is there a really? Is there one? No. No, there used to be Quick Burger Hamburger Quick, which was Belgian, I think. Oh, okay. Your favorite New York City restaurant right now? Uh, Claude last night, because it was really good last night. What was, what, what, like, what would you order? You know what? My friend said there's not a clunker on the menu. Um, the pork chop with smoked onion jus was really oh, good. Yeah. But the mushroom millefeuille um, was amazing. I actually might go back and have it. Although it's, they only have nine tables. It's such a hard table to book. Is it? It's so hard to book that. Well, you have resi in America. We have resi. Yeah. Yeah, I like savory millefeuille. That's like a, a cool thing. It was really good. I was kind of, I, I, I have leftovers in the fridge. <laughs> Amazing. Your favorite Paris restaurant right now? I, I can't say my favorite because everyone will go there. Um, but um, I do like Deterre, D-E-S-T-E-R-R-E-S, Deterre. Um, it's a great wine bar. It's not in the middle of Paris. They have natural wines. The owner's great. The people who work there are really nice. It's very friendly. So happy you give a shout out to maybe somebody who doesn't, is off the beaten path. Yeah, and uh, somebody who I know was coming to Paris, so I made reservations. I said, let's go there. So we got there, you know, we meet them there, and they show up, 
And they're like, well, I was like, what wine do you like? And they're like, oh, we don't drink wine. What? And I was like, okay. Well, I told you we're going to, why didn't you say that? We'll go somewhere else. So. Oh man. Well, you try. Your favorite cookbook of all time? Uh, the Zuni Cafe cookbook. It's, um, it's up there. It's, it's special. Every sentence you learn something from, and I was fortunate to work with Judy Rogers. Um, even if you don't make anything from it, just reading it is fascinating. What's your favorite book? Um, it's a hard question. Um, I know, but you just asked me, so I'm asking. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's, it, I have to be diplomatic. Um, oh, okay, you don't have to. I, I, the, last, the last five years, Ramatan is my favorite book. It's not of all time. Okay. That's Cynthia's book uh, about uh, Sri Lanka. Okay. It's an amazing book. Um, I think for me, I like Anthony Bourdain's They All Cookbook a lot. It's a special book. Okay. But anyways, you just flipped it on me. I, I, okay. I, you know, I'm, I'm showing too many cards right now. Oh. A favorite recent cookbook discovery? Uh, I would say Claire Saffitz. Um, I didn't know who she was because I don't watch food videos. And she was part of the Bon Appetit. I think I saw her once. She was doing like homemade Skittles or something. And I was like, she's interesting. And then I got a copy of her first book. I forgot somebody from the publisher yeah. might have sent it to me. Yeah. And I was like, oh, Okay. You could tell she put in the work. She kind of reinvented the baking genre for today. Absolutely um, agree. While still being classic and not, but not silly, uh, you know, just, and I think she is the tops. Absolutely yeah. agree. Yeah. Great call. And she's a great person too. Like she's my neighbor upstate. I, I oh. hang out with her and her husband quite a bit. Okay. Yeah. They're nice people. Well, I reached out to her once when I was coming <laughs> to New York and I said, you know, do you want to get together? And usually like celebrities, they, they like try to, you know, they try to brush you off as soon as possible. <laughs> but we spent like eight hours together. Oh, yeah. We were sitting at Chow Gloria in Brooklyn. Oh, cool. Just taking a table. and She's the best, isn't she? She's such a great person. She's super nice. She's like normal. Oh. That's yeah. why. <laughs> well, she's normal. She's like talented. Oh, yeah. And the real deal. I love it. I love that you called it out. Last one, your favorite sandwich. My favorite sandwich. Um, I have to say Patty Melts. Ooh, yeah. I love it. Because it's everything, you know, it's got cheese, it's got caramelized onions, it's got rye bread, it's got crispy rye bread, it's got a hamburger in it. Oh, um, yeah. I don't think they're good for you, but I don't have one off. I, I actually like meatball subs. and Oh. Yeah. Too, Can you but, get a good meatball sub in uh, in Paris? No, I made them once. Um, this is like tw twelve years ago, um, and I put that on my blog. I made it in like a baguette. And yeah. I was, oh, funny! <laughs> I was I posted it on my blog at the time, and this woman came up to me in a store, and she goes, "She was American." She goes, "I just want to let you know, I was, like, I was having a craving exactly the same time." She's like, "Thank you so." Much. Oh my god, meatball sub on a baguette! It's like they're yeah. going to war. Yeah, so. it sounds amazing though. Well, there used to be the meatball shop in Paris, uh, New York. Yeah. And it was like, when it opened, I tried to go and I couldn't get in. And then I saw you wrote a book with the founder yeah. of the meatball shop. Daniel and I was Holtzman. Like, now I have an, 15 years later, I have a, a connection. I have <laughs> to say, David, it still is an incredible restaurant. I went like a, oh. like a month ago. Do they deliver? They have, oh. one, they have one location in Manhattan now. They, can you get in? They have space. Okay. okay. I'll, I'll be honest. They have okay. space. Yeah. Okay. You can get in. I was just in Connecticut visiting my sister and we, you know, they have like, they call them grinders there. <laughs> yes, and they do. I was like, I kind of want a grinder. Oh my um, God. Where do you want to visit in the States that you haven't visited? I don't know. In the middle of writing cookbooks, I started going on these book tours and I would go to places like Ohio and Texas 
places that, you know, flyover states. Yeah, man. And I just, you know, I'd grown up in the East Coast and then moved to the West Coast and I didn't think about these places. And Ohio was amazing. Yeah. I was like, oh my God, there's these great, great food here. The people are super nice. And same with Texas. Yeah. Um, I kind of want to go to New Orleans. I've never been oh, there. Oh, there you go. That's a great example. Yeah. You just talked it out. Yeah. I and like I was supposed to go when Drinking French, my book Drinking French came out to do a thing um, there because I have a sort of a French tradition. Mm. Um, oh, yeah. So I'd like to go to um, New Orleans. Rebook? You got time. Uh, do well, a 48 hours down there. I, I'm not good at 48 hours. Yeah. I'm kind of like, I want to be there for like, it's like, if I said to you, just go to like Mexico City for 48 hours, you'd be like, what? Yeah, no. I know. Okay. It sounds like the city needs a few days. So I'd like to go there. Let's make it happen. Okay. Anybody in New Orleans? Um, Reach out to David. Yeah. Business class now. Oh, of course. <laughs> Amateur. I'll take the train. I like the train. David Leewitz, thank you so much for joining This Is Taste. Uh, thank you so much for inviting me. I'm super happy to be here. This is Taste is hosted by Eliza Abarbanel and me, Matt Rodbar. The show is produced by Shalia Harris and Pat Stango and edited by Clayton Gumbert. Theme music by Steve Rydell. Visit Taste online at tastecooking.com and make sure to subscribe to our newsletter for updates on all cool things that are happening.